Good morning. Good morning, church. It's great to have you guys here this morning. It's exciting to see all the activity and discussion. If you don't know me, my name is Dan. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm excited to have an opportunity this morning to be able to share with God's Word with you. Uh, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, let me bring you up to speed. We're doing this series called The Five Thresholds. That's based on this book from InterVarsity Press called I Once Was Lost. The premise of this book is that they interviewed about 2,000 or so postmodern skeptics who became Christians. And that sounds really cool and smart and stuff. So postmodernism is this time that we're in now where, to some extent, truth is kind of variable and relevant, and everybody kind of has an opinion about things. Now, the good news is you don't need to be a sociologist to understand what we're going to be talking about this morning. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be learning from what these authors, as they researched and studied and spoke to these postmodern skeptics turned Christians, they found some threads and some themes about how their journey from skepticism to Christianity went. All of them went through different paths, but there were a few commonalities that these authors discovered. And so we're in the third week of a seven-week series where we're going to be talking through what's, what they call the five thresholds. And the idea is that there are these different thresholds that these people went through on their journey to learning who Jesus was and becoming Christ followers. So last week, JP started with the first threshold, which was moving from distrust to trust. And so the idea is that in our culture today, for a variety of reasons, there's a certain amount of animosity or angst towards any religion, but also Christianity. And so if you are a person who is not a follower of Christ today, you may have some level of distrust towards faith, towards Christianity, or even towards Christians specifically. And so our job, my job as a Christ follower is to go through the steps to help build trust with people. So rather than, for example, when people express their distrust towards me, what JP shared last week, we have these knee-jerk reactions. We might want to defend ourselves. We might want to judge them. We might want to do these things that's not going to build relationships. And instead, what JP encouraged us to do was to practice these kingdom habits, like prayer, and affirming others, and building bonds, and building relationships. And by doing that, we can move people from this place of just trusting Christians and Christianity to trusting me or us as Christians. So that's the first step, moving from distrust to trust. And what I'm going to share this week is the second threshold is moving people from a place of indifference to a place of curiosity, helping people be okay with being curious about the Christian faith. Now, here's what's really cool about this. Even though these authors are talking kind of in a modern or a postmodern current context, the truth of who humanity is is built into us by the DNA of how God designed us. So humankind has been the same for the most part, despite cultural changes, since the beginning. And so we're able to look at the Bible, we're, look, we're able to look at these people and these stories from Scripture, and we're we'll able to say, hey, look, this is how it worked back then, and there's principles for that that still apply today, even though that we're in a different culture. So today we're going to talk about the move from being indifferent to being curious about the Christian faith. We're going to open up our Bibles in just a minute, but why don't you pray with me as we get started. Lord God, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for bringing us here. Uh, thank you for those that are online. Lord, that we would each hear your word, that you would meet us where we are. Uh, Lord, open up our hearts and our ears that we can receive from your word what you need us to hear this morning. I pray, Lord, that it would be a blessing to us and that we would be a blessing to others. Thank you for this time. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So this button, this button is on my stand. 
And I have this weird obsession with buttons. Whenever I see a button, I need, I need to press it. So I'm going to put this button on the stand, and I'm going to attempt to not pay attention to it through the rest of the sermon. But I want to tell you, when I first realized that my obsession with buttons started, it was probably about 20 or so years ago. My wife and I had just started attending the church here, and we had met some friends that were moving out of their apartment into a house, uh, and I went to go help them with the move. And I'm not going to say their names because some of you know them, and they might be hearing this. So I'm just going to tell the story because they don't know that this happened. So this is a moment of confession for me. So we were, we were moving them out of their house, and the house was their apartment, and it was pretty clean at this point. We were going to kind of do a final walkthrough and make sure everything was okay. And I go into the bedroom to check things out, and it's all empty except out of the wall is this little cord with a white button at the end. And I was in the house all by myself. Everybody else was outside at the moving truck, and I just stared at the button. And I wondered, what did that button do? I was curious, like, why is there a button coming out of the wall in their bedroom? And what's going to happen when I press it? And I wish that I could say I just moved on and I didn't press it. However, my curiosity got a hold of me, looked around, grabbed the button, and I pressed it. And nothing happened. Which is a little disappointing. You know, if you press a button, you want something to happen. Until about three or four minutes later, when their phone rang, because it was the police department, because somebody had pressed a panic button in their house. And they're like, did anybody press a panic button in the, in the bedroom? I was like, no. So I think to this day, I'm sorry, uh, please forgive me, but I don't think they know that I pressed their panic button. Thankfully, the police didn't come. But it, that was my first realization that Buttons, I have this thing with buttons. Now, here's what's interesting. I wasn't looking for buttons. I was, in the vernacular of what we're talking about today, I was indifferent. I wasn't, like, on the lookout. But once I saw that button, there is this curiosity in me. There is this idea of, like, what is this button all about? And I had to do something about it. And so that's kind of going to be our metaphor for today. This idea of being from a place from indifferent to moving to a place of curiosity in our Christian faith. And now, there's two types of people that could be listening today. Some of you might be curious. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus. Maybe you haven't heard much. You're, you're kind of on that end of like, eh, okay, whatever. You're curious. Maybe you're here, you're listening because somebody told you about it, and you're curious about the faith, but you're not, you're not all in. Some of you listening, many of you are probably Christians, Christ followers at different stages of your faith journey. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to both groups of you, and I want to encourage those of you who are curious to be okay with your curiosity, and I want to encourage those of you who are Christ followers to look at what is it like to engage with people that are curious. How do we love people and engage with people that are curious that helps them move along in their journey of faith? And we're going to do that using a very uh, well-known story from the book of Exodus. If you want to grab your Bibles either in front of you or your Bible app, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, it'll be fairly easy to find. It's the second book of the Bible right near the front. You can use your table of contents if you want. So a little background. So Genesis, the first book of the Bible, tells the story of the creation of the world and then God's interaction with people leading to this race of God's chosen people known as the Israelites or the Hebrews or the Jews. Uh, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then the end of Genesis... We hear the story of Joseph, who 
is moved to Egypt, is in Pharaoh's house, and Genesis ends with Joseph and his family being reunited. And then Exodus starts off approximately 400 years later. So there's this 400-year gap where a lot of things have changed. Now the Israelites, the Hebrews, are slaves to the Egyptians, and the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh, doesn't like the fact that there are so many of them, and so he creates this edict that attempts to kill all the babies as they are born. Well, Moses is one of those babies that escapes that. He actually ends up being adopted into Pharaoh's house, and he lives 40 years in Pharaoh's house before he sees his people, his native, his cultural heritage people, uh, being mistreated, and so he kills a man. They find out about it. Moses gets busted, and he runs away. He runs away to this place called Midian, And he gets married there, and he has kids, and he's living his life. He's a shepherd. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. But here's what's interesting, and the reason why I'm telling you that. I don't know what your picture of Moses is like. It might depend on your generation. But maybe you picture Moses like this. A Charlton Heston. Ten Commandments. You know, the big macho, let my people go, right? Maybe you're of that generation. Or maybe you're closer to my generation, where your Moses might look a little bit more like the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon version that came out in the late 90s. Or, if you're on the younger side, your Moses actually might look like a cucumber from VeggieTales mowing the big exit. So, we have this problem when we're reading the Bible, and especially when you get familiar with it, that we know the end of these people's stories. We know what they become. Right? And so we see Moses as the guy who's willing to go up in front of Pharaoh, let my people go. And he goes up to the mountaintop and he has the tablets. And that's the Moses we know. But what we forget often is that great people of God started as regular people. These men and women we read about in the Bible and through history that became these great men and women of faith all have a backstory that started with just normalcy. And that's where Moses is. If we look at Moses' backstory, we see that Moses had a shady past. Moses killed a man. Moses ran away from the law. Moses' past, he had a couple skeletons in his closet. Now, also what you'll notice about Moses, so he was a Hebrew, an Israelite, by lineage. But he was raised in an Egyptian house. And then when he ran away, he ran away to this country called Midian and became a Midianite, which had had its own culture and language and identity. And so Moses also, in addition to his shady past, Moses lived in a place of cultural confusion. He had all of this mixture of things going on, and we don't recognize all of it today because we don't understand all the cultural identities, but Moses was really culturally confused. He had different gods that he was learning about. He had different, like, cultural identities and ideas. And so Moses lived in this place of cultural confusion. And the third thing I want to make sure I emphasize about Moses' backstory is that Moses barely knew God. We're going to read the story of the burning bush. This is kind of the start of the journey. But we need to remember that it had been almost 500 years since the Israelites had heard the voice of God. So if you remember what I said, Genesis ends with Joseph, and then Exodus starts saying 400 years had gone by. Moses is then born. 40 years he lives in Pharaoh's house before he murders the guy and runs away. 40 years he lives out in Midian. So that's 480 years, approximately 500 years, half a century, that there wasn't really any good interaction with the God of the Hebrews. 
Now think about it for a moment. If you are a Christ follower and you attend church, how long does it take you after you leave church to kind of forget about what you learned at church? Is it a few hours? Is it the parking lot? Is it a few days? Think about if you stopped going to church for a few weeks. You stopped reading your Bible for a couple months. You stopped praying or talking about God for five or six months. It would be easy for your life to divert in a different direction. These people had gone 500 years with barely anything from God that we have recorded. And so Moses goes to this place of the burning bush that we're going to read in just a minute, but we need to remember that he barely knew who God was at this time. He would have known from his cultural heritage, but he would not have had a personal relationship or interaction with God in his pretty much his entire life. And I say this because Moses is a lot like us. Do any of you have skeletons in your closet? Maybe dark paths, things that you're ashamed of, things that you've done yesterday? few weeks ago, right? How about this world today with all these this different divisiveness and this cultural issues we have going on? We live in this place of cultural confusion, and now maybe some of you barely know who God is. Those are the curious people that we're talking to today. And so I want you to know if you're in that place, as we read the story of Moses, I hope that you can connect with him And forget about, for the moment, the Moses that becomes the guy with the tablets and the beard and the big talk. And go back to the beginning where Moses was just a regular person like each and every one of us. So with that, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we bridge the curious gap. For people that are curious, how do we build a bridge that bridges that gap? But we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So we're going to pause there for a minute. And what we see in Moses is the beginning of this idea of he's wondering what is going on. What we're going to do, we're going to look at Moses' story and talk about how do we bridge the curious gap. Now, last week when JP was talking about moving from a place of distrust to trust, he talked about the importance of breaking down the walls that we put up between us and other people, breaking down those walls that keep other people from learning to trust us and building a bridge. And I'm going to extend that metaphor a little bit, and I'm going to say as we break down those walls and we build trust with people, in order to move people from this place of indifference to this place of curiosity, we need to build a bridge that gets over that curious gap. Okay, so we're going to look at what happened with Moses, the story of Moses, and how he did that. Now, I want you to picture the scene. Moses is just a dude. He's got his sheep. He's wandering around in the desert. And he sees a bush that's on fire but doesn't burn up. And in verse 3 it says, So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Now what would you do? If you were wandering around in the desert, you saw a bush that was on fire but didn't burn up, you would probably do the same thing too. Right? And so... What we notice from that is that curious people notice things. Curious people notice things. And so therefore, I, as a follower of Christ, need to ask myself, am I living a noteworthy life? 
Am I living a life that people will notice is different from those around me? And I mean that in a good way, right? I want to live a noticeably better life, right? I don't want to be noticeable in how much I drink or how bad my language is. I, as a follower of Christ, want others to notice me because I want them to see that my heart is different, that I live my life differently because of Jesus' influence in my life. So, for example... When uh, you get together with your guy friends after work, ladies, when you hang out maybe on a Saturday morning, how do you talk about your spouse and kids? Isn't it so easy to just sort of say some disparaging comments if everybody's like, oh, my wife is like this, and oh, my husband does this, to just join in that fray? Would living a noticeably different life that would be attractive to those that are curious look like you speaking differently about the people you care about? Or how about maybe at work, the way you treat others? Would living a noticeable life as a follower of Christ mean that you love people even when they're difficult to love? You can think of a lot of areas where people are watching you as a follower of Christ and you don't even know it. And so my question is, are you living noticeably different lives that they will be able to see? Now, here's what's interesting. A bush in the desert wouldn't be that unusual, right? I would even say a bush on fire in the desert may not be that unusual if they have like a thunderstorm and lightning and things like that. But a bush on fire that doesn't burn... That ought to catch someone's attention, right? Now, I was doing a little research, and I, and I saw uh, a Pew Research study from 2019 and 20 that was talking about faith in America. So they asked a bunch of questions, and out of these questions, 72% of the responders said that religion is important to them. So this was just a year or two ago. 72% of responders in this Pew Research study said that religion was important to them. Out of those 72%, 63%, almost two-thirds of the people they surveyed, said that their faith was Christian. Two-thirds of the people that responded said their faith was Christian. So here's what's interesting. Having religion being important isn't that unusual, kind of like the bush in the desert. Being a Christian, calling yourself a Christian, really isn't even that noticeable or different, kind of like a bush on fire. But my question for you is, how are you living out your Christian life? Out of those people surveyed, only 31% of them attended church every week. Only 49% of them prayed daily. And those are just a couple of different metrics, but it shows us this idea that being interested in religion isn't really noticeable. Even being Christian, to some extent, is not really noticeable. It is how you live your Christian life that people are going to notice. And so my question for you, if you are a follower of Christ, is are you living a life that's worth noticing, that people can see that you are different, that your heart is different, your attitudes are different, your actions are different because of Jesus? Because that's what curious people are looking for. So here's Moses. He decides he's going to go check out this burning bush. I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, depending on your translation of the Bible that you're using, that could be translated as an actual question, why doesn't the bush burn up? That word why is an interrogative, so it's a questioning word. So Moses sees this bush, he notices there's something different about it, and he says, hmm, why isn't that bush burning up? 
And so that reminds us that curious people are those people who ask questions. Curious people will ask questions. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, my question for you is, are you ready to respond? Are you ready to respond to the questions that people have for you? Now, I want to step back for a moment because I'm not talking about the big questions like, you know, science and the Bible or evil and God and things like that. People are just curious about why your lives are different. We'll talk about those other things in a few weeks in one of the other thresholds. But as people notice your lives are different, they might ask you why. Why do you get up on Sunday morning and go to church instead of watching football? Why do you prioritize your family over your jobs? Why during lunch, when we're all going out and grabbing a snack and a beer, are you reading your Bible? People are going to ask you questions, and I'm wondering if you are ready to respond. Why does your faith prompt you to act a certain way? And one of the ways we can respond is by asking questions of our own. As we notice people are curious about us, as people are asking us questions, it's okay to ask them questions too. If you've ever had coffee or lunch with Pastor JP, you'll know he is really good at asking questions. Sometimes I'll sit with him for an hour, and it'll be like 55 minutes into it, and I was like, wow, all he did was ask me questions the entire time. Why? Because he's interested in me and my life and what's going on. And so as curious people are asking us about our lives... One of the ways that we can respond is to ask them about theirs. What do you think about this? What do you think about the fact that I go to church every Sunday morning? What do you think about the fact that we pray before meals? Several years ago, I was wearing a uh, Christian t-shirt. It had the Bible verse from Ephesians 6 on the armor of God. You know, put on the full armor of God. And then it had pictures and stuff with all the pieces of the armor. A friend of mine uh, who was not a Christ follower goes to church or came up to me and said, what is your shirt all about? And I wish that I could tell you that I spent that moment really sharing about my faith with him. But I had something I was in the middle of, something I needed to get to, and it was just kind of an uncomfortable conversation, and I was like, oh yeah, that's just one of my favorite Bible verses, and then I moved on. I realized probably two minutes later, I had missed a great opportunity to answer the question of what I would now call a curious person. I had wasted a moment because I was not ready to respond and explain. I mean, I was like shining a light, like, hey, I'm a Christian. Come ask me questions, right? And he came and he asked me questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just a Bible verse I like. And I moved on. And to this day, I regret not taking that moment to be able to share a little bit with him about why that shirt was important to me. And so I say that so that you will not have that same level of regret because people will ask you questions. Curious people will wonder why you're living your life the way that you are. And I want you to be ready to respond, to take the time, to not be in a rush, to be willing to engage with them in their questions as a way of helping them move from this place of indifference through this place of curiosity. One other important thing I want to mention is it's okay not to have all the answers. I think sometimes we feel like when people are asking us questions, we need to know all the answers we need to know right away. And it's okay to say, huh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that. Why do you guys sing at church on Sundays? Because that's what we do. I don't know. That's a good question. Let me think about that. Why do I sing at church on Sundays? As curious people engage with you, we want to be ready to answer, but we need to be okay leaving some things open. 
So here's Moses standing in front of the bush. I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Exodus 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. That's my God voice. And Moses said, here I am. Because let's be real. If you walked up to a burning bush and it started talking to you, you would be scared and your voice would crack. Right? That's what I think Moses would have done. I don't know how he would have felt in that moment hearing God's voice coming out. But I'm pretty sure if I was there, my voice would have cracked. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. Verse 5, God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I am the God of your fathers. This was the first time, although Moses might have known a little bit about God, this was God's first interaction that we read about with humanity in 500 years. And what's Moses' reply? He's afraid. He hid. Curious people are hesitant. Curious people are hesitant. We, Christ followers, represent God here. And it's reasonable that they might be afraid if they start asking us questions that we are just going to go too far for them. And so they can be hesitant to engage with us. So the question for you is, are you being patient with them? Are you being patient with these curious people who are hesitant to really fully engage? They may not be ready for all of the big ticket items, all the big issues that Christianity talks about. They may just be curious and they may just be dipping their toe in the water. Are we being patient with them? I taught a series once on t- called Tough Questions. It was a small group that met at my house. And we were going through some of these questions I mentioned earlier. Do science and the Bible conflict? What about the origin of the species? How can there be evil when there's a good, all-loving, all-powerful God? And so the idea of this class was we brought together people of who were Christians, people of other faiths, people that were curious or seekers or had no faith, but were just interested in dialoguing about these, these difficult questions. It was a great series. Well, one, one of the nights, we uh, were talking about this problem of evil in the world, like why, how can bad things happen when we have this good, all-powerful God? And there was a man in the class who, who was a pretty, pretty solid Christian. He had been a Christian for a while. And there was a woman in the class who was in this place of curiosity. And so she was asking a lot of questions. There are several others, but the story is about these two people. And so this lady is asking all these questions. Why is this? And how is this? And what about this? And the guy just got fed up with her and just said, why don't you just believe? Why don't you just trust in who Jesus is and stop asking all these questions? Now, I was a fairly new small group leader at the time, and so I was like, holy cow, what do I do with this? And it felt like it went on forever. It probably lasted for about 15 seconds before I was like, okay, let's step back for a moment. It is okay for her to be hesitant about the faith. It is okay for this woman to be asking questions, and your answers don't necessarily just push her over the edge, and all of a sudden she's a Christ follower. It is okay if you are a curious person to be hesitant to be wondering, to just dip your toe in and ask the questions that you want to ask. And those of us who call ourselves Christians need to be patient with those people. I am fairly certain that there are very few people that got yelled into the kingdom of God. There might be some, but I think it's more hurtful than good, right? Very few people would respond to, why don't you just believe? By coming to faith. 
more often than not, especially in our modern culture, it would turn them away. And so we as followers of Christ, no matter how eager we are for people to know Jesus, need to be patient with those people that are curious and that are asking questions. So are you being patient with these people? As we read through the rest of chapter 3, starting in verse 7, I'm not going to read it here. I'm going to leave it open. And if you're curious, you can read the rest of the story. But God basically commissions Moses to go back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, his adopted grandfather, and tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. So Moses goes from this place where he's just kind of doing his thing with the sheep, right? He's hanging out in the desert to having this encounter with God, and God starts him on this journey. And so we need to remember that curious people are on a journey, and so are we. Regardless of where you are in faith, if you just became a Christian, if you've been a Christian your whole life, we are all on this journey of faith. And so we need to remember that those people that are curious about Christianity are also on a, diff- on a journey. And all of our journeys look different, though there might be common threads. We need to remember the Bible. This is a great quote I heard. The Bible is broad enough that we can, anybody can read it, but deep enough that you can spend your entire life studying it and still not be able to understand all its depth. No matter where you are on this journey, there is more to learn about who Jesus is and how God interfaces with his people. And so as we recognize, as those of us who are Christ followers recognize that we are on a journey, we need to learn to be okay with these curious people who are also on a journey. I want to share one more little nerdy story. For those those of you that know me, I was uh, an engineer for 18 years, and so I'm kind of a science and math guy. Well, when I was in high school, a junior in high school, I was in a trigonometry class, and we were starting to learn about set theory and the idea of sets, and there's this thing called the empty set, which is these two little squiggly lines with nothing in the middle of it. And I don't really know how this all started, but somebody in the class was like, what is an empty set? What is something that contains nothing? And our teacher being the amazingly gracious teacher she was, let us have this philosophical conversation about nothing in our class for three days. Three days we spent philosophizing about nothing. Like to the point where it's like, well, wait a minute. If we call nothing nothing, then is it now something? Think about it. Anybody who was in that class, that conversation kept going for years afterwards. And if if you look at any of my friends on Facebook that were in that class, they would still remember that. Because our teacher allowed us to go on a journey. Our teacher allowed us to explore and process and ask questions and think through this thing that really from the outside is kind of not really that exciting. But for us who were in it, we were on this journey and she was smart enough to let us know that we would learn more by engaging in this dialogue than just jumping us back into the math. And we left that conversation not really resolving it. I still don't know what nothing is. But it's important to allow our journeys to be these open-ended discussions. One of the most difficult things when I teach our students or when I lead small groups is when we have this really great discussion going, but there's no resolution. 
Right? We all want to resolve. We all want to answer the questions. We all want to put a bow on the package. But it is okay to have an open-ended discussion, to recognize that we are on a journey of faith. And there's people over here who are just starting. There are people here who have been on it for a long time. We all have more to go. And so as we recognize these curious people are asking questions, these curious people are noticing things about us, these curious people are hesitant to step in to this place of faith that we are in, we recognize that we are all on this journey together. And as we do that, we can have patience and love them. Now, I want to tell you one more button story. So, uh, in 2014, my family went on a big road trip through the Midwest. And at one point, we landed in South Dakota and went to one of the Minuteman missile silos that was put up during the Cold War. I got a picture of down in the bunker, um, the little equipment they have. We're going to zoom in in this next slide. And in this bunker was a red button. And that red button was calling my name. Now, this red button back in the day would have launched a nuclear missile. I mean, I get it. There's a little bit more to it than that. There's like keys and codes and, and all that. It's not like the guy was like, like if I was there during the Cold War and that button was there, I'd be like, does it work? And hopefully not accidentally start a nuclear war. Um, but this button was there. And so this guy, we're down there for, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes while the guy's giving us a history of the area. And all I could see was the button. All I wanted to do was press the button. And it didn't even do anything. It wasn't like I went down there to look for the button. But I was intrigued by it. I was curious about it. And that's just the metaphor for how we as Christians need to be in this world. We need to be like these buttons. That people see us. They don't even realize they need to see the button. But once they see it, once they see us and how we're living our lives, they recognize there's something different about those people. And I want to know what that is. I want to push the button. And so if that's you, wherever you are in your journey of faith, I just want to encourage you. It's okay. Push the button. It is okay. Push the button. Ask the questions. Dip your toe in. Check things out. Notice people and how their lives are different. Because as you move through this journey of faith, God meets you in that place. You don't need to have your life all cleaned up. You don't need to be all put together. God has taken, up, taken a lot of messed up people, regular people like you and me, and turned them into amazing people for him. So it's okay. Be curious. Press the button. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, allow people to push your buttons. Allow people to challenge you and ask you. That's how people get to know Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this story of Moses. Thank you, Lord, that you put this in here and, and he's just a guy like us. A guy like us on a journey, trying to understand more about who you are, trying to understand what does it look like to trust you? What does it look like to live life differently because of you? Lord, each of us is on a journey of faith. Maybe we're kind of indifferent. Maybe we don't care. Maybe we're curious. Maybe we've been doing it for a long time. I pray wherever we are in that spectrum, Lord, that you would meet us in that place. Lord, that you would help to stoke our curiosity, stoke our excitement, stoke our energy. Lord, help us to be people that are looking for the buttons 
that are looking for those things that are asking the questions. And Lord, I pray in that that we would get to know you better. Lord, that our lives would be changed and different because of the work that Jesus did for us. And so we thank you for this word. Lord, thank you for the example that was set by Moses. And we just pray that we would carry that past the parking lot, past the day, into the week. Lord, that we would do it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.